Hi friends, thanks for joining us today. Well, welcome back and welcome to our last week in this series of Jesus and Politics. And today we're looking at this idea of Jesus and foreign policy. Doesn't that sound exciting to be talking about foreign policy on a Sunday morning? Well, let's jump into it. So I want to start with this uh, conversation that I've uh, had with people and also um, just seen somewhat regularly on social media, and it has to do with the Ten Commandments. I've often heard people say, or, or read it, if we would just live out the Ten Commandments, if, if people would just adhere to the Ten Commandments, uh, everything would work out. And I sometimes, I don't know, I think I bristle a little bit at that. Because I think there's, there's a problem with that kind of thinking in that it's treating the Bible like a prescription book. As if God said, you know, boom, here you go. Just follow what I tell you to do. And when we follow... My dog just came to, to see me. She must be thinking that I'm getting a bit... Uh, <clears throat> A bit too excited about this. Thanks, Dakota. She's my test for for how I'm how I'm having a conversation with somebody at home. If we get too aggressive, then she comes and she she comes over and kind of puts her head on your lap and says, "Hey, calm down." <clears throat> so I'm going to leave this in here because I don't want to sound aggressive. <laughs> but. It's difficult for me when I hear that because we think that that somehow God just gave us this book as as some something that we're supposed to live by. Just do what it says and you'll be fine. Because I think, well, what about, you know, if it's just the 10 commandments, what about the other 603 commandments? You know, uh, rabbinical schools would say that there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament, which is what people are talking about. Well, what about the other 603? Because the Ten Commandments don't encapsulate all of those other ones. And we'll talk about some of them in a moment. I guess if you follow that trajectory, you should at least be willing to say, well, let's narrow it down to two. What Jesus did, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus actually brings it down to one, which you see the other New Testament authors following, which is love your neighbor as yourself, or what Jesus said in John 13. Love one another as I have loved you, uh, in John 20. So today I had Randy read for you from Luke chapter 10, and it's the story of the Good Samaritan. But right before that, the reason why Jesus tells the story is because he's having a conversation with a religious expert. And I want to draw your attention in Luke 10, verse 25, to what the religious expert is saying to Jesus. So this is someone who knows his Bible really well. And he says to Jesus, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, Well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? You see, when we, when we treat the Bible like a prescription book, 
Or if we just say, if we would read the commandments and do what they say, uh, we tend to cherry pick or we look for loopholes. And in this case, what happens when we do this is the commandments start to replace God. So in this conversation, this man who knows the scriptures is saying to Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And it's about, you know, what can I do? How can I use this? How do I save myself? And, and I think that is reflective sometimes in how we live out practically today. And yet for Jewish people, their sense would have been, well, there's something special about the Torah that gives us a special identity and our salvation is in our identity. And you'll see in the passage we look at in the Old Testament in a moment that it wasn't really about their identity. It was all about the work of God. And so the commandments, rather than being a road map that we're supposed to somehow figure out how to live by, are meant to show us God's heart, to help us see who God is. And that's why Jesus comes and says, all the stuff you've been reading in here is pointing you to me, so come to me to have life, rather than thinking that you're going to somehow get it through the scriptures. And the difficulty with the sentiment of just living out the commandments lies in the fact that we cherry pick or we look for loopholes. We use some commandments that we like and other ones we discard because we'll just say, well, they're not necessary. Or we don't really like them. And we, we create loopholes. So in this case, the man says, well, who's my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor, who is my neighbor? And, and Luke says, because he wanted to justify his actions. He wanted to justify the way he was living. And it's so easy to do that when we treat the Bible that way. We can create our own loopholes. We can, we can discard some things. We can reinterpret it the way that we want it to work. And it's at this point that Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And I suspect that whether you've read the story in the Bible or not, you may have heard of the Good Samaritan, and you have the general gist of the story. It's in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 30, if you want to read it. Randy has read it for us already this morning. And it's a good story. It's a good story because it answers the question, who is my neighbor? And, and the answer is, anyone who is in need is my neighbor and needs to be loved. But I want to draw something out of this story that maybe you haven't noticed before. Maybe you've never heard. And yet, I think everyone listening to this story for the very first time as Jesus told it would have picked up on this instantly and even been quite upset at what Jesus did. And it's not about answering the question, who is my neighbor? It's who the protagonist of the story is. The hero in this story is a Samaritan person, and Jesus is teaching to Jewish people, and he makes a foreigner even their enemy, the hero of the story. And that was not lost on, on his first hearers. And probably many of the earliest readers would have picked up on this nuance. And Jesus is making a very profound statement about how he views foreigners, about how God looks at people who we would consider to be different, other, not like us and probably people that we want to exclude to keep away, and sometimes even 
uh, to wish harm upon. And that's part of the power of the story of the Good Samaritan. It's not just in answering the question, who is my neighbor? But it also uses the foreigner to be the hero of the story. And Jesus wants us to learn something from, from that story. So as you think about foreigners, as you think about people who are different, it might be a different skin color, it might be a different language, it might be different culture, it could be different socioeconomic background or education levels, um, orientation, sexual orientation. Um, There are so many ways of not only answering the question, who is my neighbor, but answering the question, who is a foreigner to me? And this story Uh, really begins to draw that out of us, if we will let it, and draws us into the heart of God. So just to go along with this, I want to invite you to watch this video. It's called Loving Noah, and it's about a family in Montreal who befriend a homeless man. And I invite you to watch it and, and answer the question not only of who is my neighbor, but answer the question, who am I seeing as a foreigner? in my life. So have a watch and enjoy. Well, welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed watching that. It's a, it's a powerful story um, and there's some learning in there for us and I think it, it dovetails nicely with the story that Jesus tells of, of the Good Samaritan from the perspective of the foreigner, not just the neighbor. So I want to get back to this idea about the commandments of God and foreigners. Because it may still be that you think, well, you know, we do need to live out the commandments. It's important for us to do that. And and if you're thinking that way, you know, in Deuteronomy 5, you can read the Ten Commandments. But if you go a few chapters more to chapter 10, I'd like to read this passage for you from Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, down to verse 19. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of His love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. It's a reminder that God chose them, but not because of anything special about them. They didn't have the Torah at that point. He chose them because he loved them. The Lord your God, this is verse 17, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. And then I invite you to listen to the next two verses. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. And he shows love to foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And here is some more commandments to consider of God saying, in in many respects, you were foreigners to me and I chose you. And I love the foreigners who are in your midst. 
And because I'm that kind of God and you're my people, I want you to do the very same thing. And because I've given you the ability to do so, live it out. Love the foreigners. And why does God want us to do that? If you stop and think about it, why does God want us to love the foreigners? Because it's a reminder of our own foreignness to Him. And yet He chose to come to us so that He could restore us to Himself, restore the relationship, reconcile us to Himself. It's a reflection of God's heart. And these are so important for us to hear and to understand. But you see, we could read those and we could just cherry pick over those, use them if we want, not use them if we don't want. And that's why when we read this and we let it bring us back to Jesus and we see how Jesus treated people and we think about um, you know, the foreign policy that Jesus had and how the early church had to wrestle with this themselves. So if this is challenging for you, I guess the good news is the early church wrestled with the foreign policy uh, of Jesus. And when you go to Acts 15, you can read about this where they were, they were having very strong debate around uh, who could be part of God's family. Did you have to become a Jew in order to be part of the family of God, be part of God's kingdom? And so that's not new for, for, uh, for you. Like the People have been trying to understand, Jesus, how can you bring this out of me? How can you help me with this? And it kind of asks the question, how do we be a church that loves foreigners? You know, Jesus' foreign policy was to love people who were different, who were on the outside, who were literally foreigners, and to treat them as neighbors. And that is political, because if we understand that the kingdom of God has no borders, if we understand that all people are welcome into God's family, and if we are followers of Jesus, that means that we too are first and foremost citizens of God's government, of God's country, of God's kingdom, and therefore borders have very little meaning for us. And it means that there are going to be times when, when the things like the foreign policy of Jesus are going to rub up against the foreign policy of the nation in which we live. And in our case, it's in Canada. And there's going to be tension between those two. You know, in John 10, verse 16, Jesus said uh, to the Jewish people, you know, you're part of the sheep pen, the fold, but I've got other sheep that aren't a part of this and I need to go to them because I want there to be one shepherd and one people. In John 17, Jesus prayed that, that all believers would be able to come together in their diversity and be one, just like Jesus and the Father are one. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, when he's thinking through how, what Jesus did on the cross, he says that on the cross, uh, and I want, I want to read this for you, Jesus brought together Jews and Gentiles, foreigners. He brought them together into one people, and he got rid of the hostility between them. But he also says this in verse 15, how he did this is by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. And so you've got this sense of, you know, we don't need to just live out the Ten Commandments. What we need to do is let the Scriptures bring us to Jesus and to see the heart of God in all of its fullness. Not just for me and you, but for all people, for all foreigners.
And rather than look for loopholes, uh, what we want to do is to say, Jesus, help me to know you more so that your spirit and your love can fill me so that my heart beats with your heart, so that I see people the way that you see people. So the foreign policy of Jesus um, is in many respects to throw the doors wide open and to say, not only, oh, my neighbor is someone in need, but actually foreigners are welcome. Not only welcome, and I'm not talking about welcome into our country. You can debate that all you want. What I'm talking about is welcoming foreigners into our family. And I think the question is not just who is my neighbor, but who are we treating like foreigners? And then to understand that God wants us to love foreigners like we love ourselves. You know, this week, uh, if you were watching the news, uh, Derek Chauvin uh, trial came through and the verdict was made and, and, uh, and it, was, it was good news. And, and I wonder sometimes if we think in our region here, you know, that's all stuff happening down in there. It's in the cities. There's not a lot of racism or, or prejudice or things like that here in our region. And if you think that way, I would just encourage you to become friends with some people from minority groups, um, black people in our community, or, or the, the new um, community of immigrants that are coming into our, our, our towns, and many of them are Punjabi speaking uh, from the Indian subcontinent, and get to know them and ask them, how has it been? What is it like? And you might be surprised at some of the stories that you hear. But I'd like to expand the idea of foreigners uh, you know, in, in helping us realize we're not just talking about ethnicity or language or culture. Because maybe that's not an issue for you. But I would ask the question, how do we be a community that loves foreigners? And the other question I would ask you is, who is there in your life that you are treating like a foreigner that you'd rather be kept on the outside rather than on the inside? And that could be someone from a different socioeconomic uh, level. It might be, you know, maybe you would consider yourself uh, living in poverty and you just want nothing to do with those rich people or vice versa. Or maybe it's someone at different educational levels or um, whatever else the the difference might be. Because the foreign policy of Jesus is to bring people together with their diversity rather than to keep them apart because of it. And in the church, I hope that that's reflective of how we, how we live out being Jesus followers. And my encouragement for you is to dwell on these questions. How do we be a church that loves foreigners, all foreigners. And who is there in your life that you're treating like a foreigner that you need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to learn from you and I want you to soften my heart towards these people or towards that person. And so I encourage you to sit with that. Read Luke 10 again. Read through the story of the Good Samaritan. Go back to Deuteronomy 10 and read those verses about God's heart for foreigners. And then let, let the Spirit of God fill you with the kind of love that he has for you and for them. Thanks for listening and, uh, and thanks for considering this. And I hope that it actually um, gets you thinking about, about 
what God wants to say to you as a result of this. And I hope that this series has been an encouragement to you. Uh, Next week, we invite you to come and we're going to have Erica Mills, who's the chaplain at uh, the Collingwood Hospital, and we're going to interview her and she's going to bring the message for next week and I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, we'll be starting a new series on the book of Colossians. So enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll check in with you again next week. God bless. Bye for now.